Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. Southwestern Advantage is about so much more than just helping your family with education. Our company is the nation's oldest entrepreneurial program, helping college and university students build character and develop the skills they need to achieve their goals in life. These are the kind of skills employers seek that cannot be taught in a classroom. Skills such as problem solving, effective personal communication with people from all walks of life, confidence, attitude, goal setting, and more. Since 1855, the Southwestern family of companies has invested in purpose-driven people who are inspired to build principle-guided businesses that impact the world. And for many, that purpose started with a summer at Southwestern Advantage. But this program isn't just about growing the young men and women whom you'll see in the community. It's also about growing your own son or daughter, and the educational resources they will bring to your home are second to none, with learning systems that address the whole child from preschool to 12th grade. Uniquely designed by top educators, these resources serve the modern needs of today's private, public, and homeschooled students. They're kid-approved, parent-preferred, and teacher-recommended. At Southwestern Advantage and the Southwestern Family of Companies, we invest in building people and inspire them to achieve their goals in life to positively impact the world. Learn more at southwesternadvantage.com action. On this episode of the Action Catalyst, we welcome Scott Stump, the new Chief Executive Officer of both the National FFA Organization and the National FFA Foundation. Scott has a long and impressive career in education, from the classroom to the Colorado Community College System, and most recently wrapped up his tenure serving as the Assistant Secretary of Career, Technical, and Adult Education for the U.S. Department of Education. In his capacity as CEO of National FFA, Scott oversees the more than 700,000 members in nearly 9,000 chapters across all 50 states as well as Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands, all working to make a positive difference in the lives of students by developing their potential for premier leadership, personal growth and career success through agricultural education. This is Dan Moore and very delighted to welcome Scott Stump to Action Catalyst. Welcome, Scott. Oh, Dan, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, share with it's absolutely impressive what you do as a CEO of the FFA organization. Can you share with the listeners who may not be as aware a little bit about FFA and the crucial role they play in developing young people? Oh, absolutely. And excited to do that. You know, we are uh, a school-based uh, program. FFA connects in through the agricultural education program. So courses that students would take in middle and high school. And through that, we transform the lives uh, of middle and high school students through that classroom experience, but then also experiential work-based learning, giving them authentic experiences outside the classroom. And then through the leadership and life skill development of FFA. I think it's fantastic. And you've got a long background as an educator yourself, also working with government as well as uh, educational institutions in this area. I do. I've been blessed with many uh, twists and turns in my career from teaching in North Manchester, Indiana, all the way through working for National FFA for a period of about a decade, and then really working at the state level in Colorado, and then uh, on to uh, the United States Department of Education for the past three years as the Assistant Secretary for the Office of Career, Technical, and Adult Education. Well, thank you for your service there. I wonder if you could expand a little bit on those pivots, because 
for most of us, we look at a decision we're going to make in our life and we have no idea how it's going to play out. But when we look backwards, we can see, oh, that's why that happened. That's why that happened. That's why that happened. What led you on this path? You could have retired as a school teacher, but she continued to grow. I did. And it came from, you know, saying yes to experiences uh, all along the way. And that started with FFA, you know, as an eighth grader between my eighth grade and freshman year, had the chance to go to a summer FFA camp in Trafalgar, Indiana. And one of the camp counselors asked me if I wanted to compete in one of the speaking contests. And I, I said no for quite a while, but then I finally said yes. And that was the beginning of finding my voice and leading me into the space of not just being a part of a group, but really working to be an influencer. You know, that led to serving as a state of FA officer in Indiana. And that was when it changed my path because I started at Purdue University in biochemical agricultural engineering. I was going to be an engineer and love the science, love the math. But, you know, after spending a year in classrooms all across the state, uh, I found that I, I was not going to be a builder of carbon fiber or nanotubes. I was going to be a builder of people and a builder of systems that build people. And so when the opportunity came uh, after a few years of teaching to move on to national FFA, it gave me a bigger system to build in. And that work of putting out leadership and personal growth and career success training to students, uh, allowing them to move from wherever they're at on that continuum of competencies and how to work with each other, uh, how to communicate, how to serve well, how to be an ethical leader, ultimately uh, to whatever point along the continuum they want to go, absolutely was a wonderful system to be a part of. You know, I really didn't go necessarily looking for roles. I feel that we're called to things. And with all of this wealth of experiences that individuals are blessed with, I firmly believe that you will know when it's time to make that pivot and that move. And I do feel like my wife and I were called to Colorado at a time when we took over leading the State FFA Association there. And then ultimately working my way up through the system to lead all of the career and technical education community within Colorado, you know, the health careers, the business careers, the manufacturing careers and agriculture. What I didn't know when I left at National FFA the first time in 2001 is that the journey I was on would prepare me to come back. And, and Dan, I'll tell you, if I wouldn't have had those other experiences of really state leadership, if I wouldn't have had the experience of looking at a federal level through United States Department of Education, if I wouldn't have had the private business experience with a small company called Viveic that I was blessed to serve for about four years in that period, I would not have been ready to step into this role and serve our three quarters of a million members as this chief executive officer. So each of these experiences was a building block. Absolutely. Exactly where you wanted to be. Absolutely. Early on, did you have aspirations to be the CEO of FFA when you first got involved? You know, at, at one point, uh, when I was first working for FFA from 1992 to 2001, uh, absolutely. My plan was to stay there for the entirety of my career and continue to grow and expand. And, you know, as organizations restructure and uh, update themselves, in 2001, I found myself in a place where the job that I was doing that I absolutely loved was managing the uh, national FFA officers and then also managing the national FFA convention, which for your listeners who have not been to national FFA convention, it's a gathering of about 60,000 people where they're focused on such good things about expanding their leadership potential. Many of them coming out of their community and flying for the first time or getting exposed uh, to this larger world around them and opening up their eyes to opportunities. But uh, the role was changing and again, though, led me on a path yeah, that uh, ultimately allowed me to return. Hmm. I think it's fantastic how you're leveraging all those experiences to be in the leadership role that you're in today. Last year, the convention must have been 
virtual, canceled? How did you handle it? It was a virtual convention. We ultimately learned through that experience uh, that by delivering the content out in different ways, could actually reach more like 225,000 individuals uh, across the nation. And so, uh, yes, while it was not the normal experience we had, we still believe that our national officers and staff developed a quality experience and delivered uh, on the promise to students across the nation. This year, we're happy to say that we'll be back in person in Indianapolis, uh, October 27th through the 29th. And we're going to uh, have a great time in person being safe, following the the Marion County Health Department's guidance on uh, capacities and those kinds of things. We don't anticipate that we'll have the full numbers uh, because we know that some of our state and local entities uh, will not be allowed most likely to travel. But we do anticipate that at least 35 to 40,000 individuals will gather, will have competitive events and allow students to show off the talent and competencies that they've gained through their FFA and agriculture education experience, and and we will celebrate those skills with them. Well, that's amazing. Three quarters of a million students. How many chapters are there individually across the country? Yeah, just uh, about 8,900, so just under 9,000. Well, my grandfather was a farmer in rural Oregon. My mother grew up on that farm, and I remember exploring as a boy up there for vacations. My main enjoyment was riding in the combine during harvest season and getting covered with wheat (laughs) as we come through that little screw there. But the farmers of America, the ranchers of America, you feed America and you feed much of the world. I was really kind of impressed with the motto. I'm going to share this with our listener. It's 12 words. The words are learning to do, doing to learn, earning to live, living to serve. I think it's brilliant. It's practical. It's real. And it's about making a difference, making things better. How do you kind of incorporate that in your decision-making? Always curious how organizations take their mission statement and actually apply it. And our motto predates our current existing mission statement. But I will say that, uh, you know, uh, every student of those three quarters of a million, 760,000 students uh, learn that during their their entry point uh, into our organization. Now, uh, at the national level, we also look at that from the standpoint of how we deliver programming. You know, the, the learning to do, we believe that we're equipping America's next generation to be ready for whatever is next. And for them, in many cases, that's going to be a career pathway in agriculture or a related field. It may be something that they get the connection to the healthcare industry by taking care of their livestock. And all of a sudden they decide that a health pathway is for them. Uh, They're going to take those skills that they've gained by learning to do those skills well in our programs. But to me, the second one really kicks in as the important part of how we teach and it's doing to learn. We believe that, you know, you can absolutely learn theory all day long and become very smart, but to truly get wisdom, you ultimately have to apply that knowledge. And that's where FFA allows our students a supported, guided, authentic playground to put those skills to work and by doing gain wisdom in that experience. And then the other part of it is we believe uh, in building not just employees that are are ready to serve others. We also believe in building entrepreneurs and that in all of this, there is an economics uh, that's involved in that. And so, you know, the earning to live, we believe that we need to be contributing members of uh, society and really working towards that path where we can ultimately uh, support ourselves in that work. But at the same time, it is not just for gaining wealth ourselves. It is then also being able to share that, our time, talent, and treasure through living to serve and really being a contributing member of our communities, our states, uh, and our societies. That's fantastic. Well, it puts some real teeth into the mission statement, which is changing young people's lives. Absolutely. We develop a premier leadership, personal growth, and career success for any student that wants to come alongside us. Right. Uh, you may have heard Mark Twain once said that if a person jumps into an arena with a live, angry bull, 
he's going to learn two or three times as much as if he read about it in a book. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think it's great. Well, Scott, I'm just curious with this brilliant career trajectory and many experiences, you're bound to have hit a couple of brick walls along the way. Things that were just unexpected setbacks, obstacles. How can you advise us to react when we hit an unexpected stop and we just don't know what to do? Yes, uh, we have all experienced moments uh, that the, the things didn't go uh, as we'd planned on them to go. But I mentioned earlier that my step away from National FFA during my first tenure and the organization restructured, the job that I was thoroughly enjoyed doing, which had a direct connection to students, was being split apart. And uh, I was being asked to just manage the National FFA Convention. And at that point, I wasn't ready to step away from my direct contact with building students. And, you know, it's at those times that you can either get uh, really frustrated and bitter or, and my dad always beat this into us, was be your own self at your best all the time. And a part of that is continuing to remind yourself in those moments that I have something to contribute and maybe my time of contributing that here is done and then finding where that next calling is. And so in my case, that ended up being relocating to Colorado where my wife is from. And little did I know that there was much to contribute there and that it was that journey that ultimately equipped me to be back here. So yeah, just to continue in those moments, be your own self. Uh, don't be what you think that moment requires you to be, be your own self at your best all the time. And that next opportunity, you will find your way through those experiences. I really like that a lot, Scott, where you say, once you hit that obstacle, remind yourself, I have something to contribute. I may not be doing it right here. I can get around this. I can find it right place and make that work for myself. I think that's fantastic. Now, along the way, also, it's pretty easy for a person with your great track record to sometimes get a bit complacent. I mean, you've got the CEO behind your name. And you probably have a pretty big team and a pretty big staff. What do you do to keep grounded? What do you do to keep from getting satisfied and leveling out and continuing to grow? Surround yourself with people uh, who uh, are equal to or better than you and then continue to push to keep up with them. And those who will hold you accountable. You know, and I am so blessed. Uh, and this year in June, my wife and I celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary and I married up. Dan, I absolutely married up and found a partner uh, in life who holds me accountable. And well, I was home this past weekend in Colorado and uh, she again asked me, she said, all right, so what difference are you making there? Is it worth uh, the time apart? I, I, I don't feel like I can allow, be allowed to, to be complacent uh, because I, I believe there's a purpose that I've been placed here to do. And that's what the days are filled with is fulfilling that purpose. Well, God bless our domestic partners, right? Many, many times after a long road trip, my wife has something similar. She basically says, did you make it count? Because if you're going to be apart from us, we need to make it count. And she shares that mission. So very grateful for that. What do you do to read good information, listen, good information? How do you kind of keep yourself mentally charged up and refreshed? What are some of your sources of inspiration? Oh, you know, I love books and I love the tactile books. I, I know. You can uh, consume so much uh, in the digital audio format, but yeah, I'm constantly looking for that next book to drive my new thinking. And uh, yeah, so there's actually two that are on my desk uh, today. One is Known What You're For by Jeff Henderson. And then the other is To Live Woke, especially in this time of mm. our, our nation having so many questions about yeah where we're headed, uh, and especially in an organization and an industry that historically has not had the marginalized and underrepresented populations choosing to head into our industry. But by Rupert uh, Nakast, 
professor at a North Carolina State University. Anyways, consistently looking for reading. I once uh, heard, uh, and I don't know if this statistic is uh, actually correct, but if you read 10 books on a topic, you end up being in you have the top certain percentage, you almost end up being an expert in that space because digesting information in these areas becomes so critical in, in truly being able to understand and know and then to chart a path forward. The tactile books, there's nothing like it. You bet. Well, and then the fun part is continuing to test those theories that you've read about mm. and whether they truly work. And, and I have had many of them that I've read that if you know, someone, a writer has asserted something and that does not work in the practical uh, environment. For instance, John Maxwell's uh, uh, developing the leader within you has uh, the phases of leadership development and that uh, you've got to go beyond just your rights as a leader. Like me as a CEO, I have certain rights. I get to sign off on things, but to truly lead the organization, I've got to get to relationships with my staff, with the state leaders, with the teachers all across this country, with our uh, sponsors and supporters. And, you know, they won't just follow me because of my title. They follow me because of a relationship and the results that I get. And so that one uh, in all of my career has proven time and time a critical path to really expanding your influence. Right. I think that's fantastic. In terms of your, your own time allocation, you must have quite a large staff of people, both in your immediate office and then nationwide. How do you keep that pie in balance? Where do you try to allocate most of your time while still keeping your personal growth and development happening? Great question. And I, I will tell you that the staff is just over 100 individuals that mm -hmm. uh, I'm responsible for uh, ensuring that they're fed, that they're supported, that they are led, and that we're taking care of them and ensuring right now for their health and safety as we move forward. The balance in time then is I'm a tend to be an early riser. So I like to come in the uh, office early and have at least a, an hour, an hour and a half kind of for me to set my priorities for the day and to have my own quiet time of planning and solitude. But really then from, you know, 8.30 to, to 5, that's completely blocked out for others. And honestly, walking around the building and just connecting with staff now that we're back in a, an in-office posture. And then that time after 5 uh, really turns back into, okay, Let's dig into those emails that couldn't be done during the day. And then, uh, yeah, after dinner, then the reading time. So mm. that's kind of the, the path and the plan. Well, I like that, particularly the getting centered before the day begins, having that solitude that can help a ton for everybody. We've got some of our listeners that are just sailing brilliantly through life. We have some others right now that are, are really discouraged. What advice would you give to somebody that is just discouraged and things aren't working out for them? We have a tremendous amount of Anxiousness, confusion, and hurt and feeling of loss uh, across our nation, especially over the past year. And, and it's only exacerbated the pre-existing situations where individuals have felt like that. And I will tell you, for me, first and foremost, uh, I, I do go back to my faith. And I know that's not the path uh, for all, but for those that do or have had a faith, uh, reconnect there. For those that are looking for other opportunities, I would reconnect with those individuals that originally helped you get where you are, whether that's a former teacher or a friend that you've lost contact with. And the nice part is with the internet, you can track down just about anybody you want to that might've been in your past. Maybe it's a former employer that was a great mentor to you, but reach back out to those individuals because I, I do believe that in those moments of need, reconnecting with prior successes will fuel that next step in. I think that's a brilliant suggestion because all of us have had people along the way that have been our head cheerleaders. And then sometimes we get to a point where we kind of forget and we don't remember what they did for us. So reaching back out to them can really be a tremendous help in that regard. I think that's great, solid advice for sure. Now, I know you have to do a little bit of forecasting about what you think is going to happen in the, in the world of agriculture, in the world of young people, in the world of technology. 
in the world of the world. How do you stay nimble? How do you stay flexible while also maintaining solid adherence to your values? Oh, you got to pay attention and uh, you've got to research and find, well, there is no perfect crystal ball for the future. So taking in wide uh, amounts of uh, information. We are at FFA just at the end of a yeah, five-year strategic plan cycle. In fact, we're a year past that because of COVID, just it couldn't be done. But we are launching a strategic planning process, really digging into what the futurists are saying about our industry, what they're saying about high school, you know, middle and high school students and what they need to ultimately succeed. Looking at the future projections uh, of our membership and the opportunities that we need to be offering, but gathering multiple sources of information and then gathering together with individuals who are focused and brilliant in that space and having those rich debates and conversation. Yes, you can make that decision on your own, but I don't think it's going to be as rich without pulling in those other voices and hearing some dissent and some conversations about well, yes, maybe this, but uh, we could also do this. And so from there, coming up with a, a collective vision of that future, I think will be the best path forward. Mm -hmm. I like that. You know, you talked before about individuals where their gas tank is empty and their, their heart is heavy. Spend some time with some students, honestly, is the other recommendation that I'd make. And I know for you, it probably is the same thing, that if you ever lose sight of where the future is, gathering together with a, with a batch of students and just saying, uh, what do you hope to be? fills up a uh, soul. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Well, this is tremendously exciting. It's fun to hear your thoughts, fun to hear your reflections, particularly the impact you're having on young people. Now tell us again, the convention date and the location and can any, an individual that is not part of it somehow monitor or learn from it as well? You bet. Love to have individuals come. And, uh, but the convention date is October 27th through the 29th uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana at the convention center downtown. And yeah, if you just want to be inspired and uh, excited about the future of America, uh, come hang out with uh, about 35 to 40,000 young people who are really uh, taking the steps needed to be the next generation that will change the world. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, Scott, and, and for sharing your insights with us as well. One final note, I have an uncle who's also a farmer. In fact, he farmed for 65 years. His last name is Stump. Ah, a wonderful connection. <laughs> Five generations of sheep and other crops in Oregon. So oh, pretty exciting. Well, thank you very much for sharing with us here on The Action Catalyst. I wish you and your organization the very best of success. Keep changing lives. You never know when that's going to impact somebody else that will truly change the world every single day. Thank you, Dan. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.